Yo, are we gonna do this? Are we doing this? Are we, I don't know. Are we recording? I'm, yeah, we're recording. I'm I'm on now. <laughs> so can start any time. We have we have we have a double. We have got a redundancy. <laughs> I, yes. I guess so. We got we got. I also back. have this backing up to sub seven hard drives just in case. And the cloud? Oh my god, Steve, please. Tell me you're backing this up. I'm actually backing up the whole cloud to my seven hard drive. Oh, shit. All right, we're, we're good. I got nervous there, man. Yeah, dude. You're, you're no, like, I got this. like, probably the most important thing you're going to do. It's an, it's an Arrayed 7 cloud array, so, I mean, it, we're relatively safe. Holy shit. Um, okay, who wants, to, uh, who wants to start this shit off? Whoa, whoa, we gotta, we gotta have, like, an introduction here. Our listeners, like, they... Alright. If a tree falls into fours... <laughs> now one less tree. Alright, guys. 2016... 2015, actually. Mm-hmm. Just like Best of. Top, Sec- top five films. Second annual. Uh, I'm your I'm your host, Daniel Medrude. Uh, I'm here with Keith and Steve. Take it away, guys. Um, I I would like to actually posit a question to the group. Um, Do it. So I think I actually asked a pretty similar question last year, uh, but I'm going to ask it again. So how did you rank your films? How did you arrive at your ranking? Um, what were what were the the measures by which you graded each film? I can start um, since I'm posing this question and thought it up already. Um, so for me, uh, it was like did did these films show me anything new? Um, you know, while, while maintaining quality, but was there something new and interesting about what I was watching? Um, secondly, did it reveal something about you know life, the human experience? You know, was there something interesting to me on that level was the premise worthwhile were there themes that came through um and then second or thirdly uh did it appeal to me like i you know i have my inherent biases and i just want to recognize that you know i like some types of films over other films Uh, Mm. but yeah so that's my general um gradation scale what about you guys well well, that sounds pretty pretty similar. Like, yeah, like I, I look for originality, like introducing me to unique or interesting viewpoints. Uh, what, one thing I'd add to that is uh, like its ability, and, and this is kind of, I think, a theme through a lot of my films, but the film's ability to kind of wrap you up in the experience uh, and uh, kind of take you away to a, a different place. Not like in the... Not like a fantasy film or something, but just like how immersive it is. Steven? I got to say, my rating scale was a lot shallower. It was mostly like, how much of the cast would I bang? <laughs> <laughs> and so like, that's why I man down. I have a separate down. list for that, Steve. That's why man down <laughs> is in first position, because there's Kate Mara and Shia LaBeouf, and oh. that generic guy from Suicide Squad. Oh. All right, so I'm, I'm starting the podcast over. <laughs> <laughs> no, I well, mean, it's, it's the... pretty much everything you said, although I don't think I looked at it. I, I kind of just looked at it like, did I really enjoy it? And that kind of like encompasses everything that, that you guys have uh, have already said. 
Yeah. Well, so the reason that like I think it's important to draw that distinction is I will say up front that I, unfortunately, as much as my heart wanted me to include this film, I did not include Magic Mike XXL. <laughs> um, as you know, I'm, I'm a little disappointed. <laughs> as you know, I... Uh, because that would have really film. worked with the scale that I just mentioned. <laughs> like bang i mean you know I, you you would just tear through that whole cast i mean channing tatum has weird like arms they're like little monkey arms they're like really short i don't i don't i'll fuck with that um but yeah like magic mike was great man i i loved that film but um ultimately i don't think it hit any of the criteria that i listed I was so curious whether or not you were going to include that on, on this list. Honestly, I will be honest with you. I had top six films, and one of them was Magic Mike, and I had <laughs> wow, just missed the cut. Uh, and it was ranked quite highly, but I had to disqualify it basically, just because it didn't meet any of those those distinctions. Um, yeah. <laughs> I think that like the interesting question in, in what you bring up is like how subjective versus objective do you think your list is? Because uh, a lot of the films that that I included are they're they're pretty high up on on the kind of uh, rankings that I've been I've been reading mm-hmm. online. Uh, yeah, I mean, mine none, none of mine. Well, that's not true. I think I have one film which which isn't as high really, but. Yeah, me too. I put it this way. I think all of the films on my list are objectively good. I think yeah. to make the list, they have to at least be objectively good. Yeah, and I, I will say, like, I think I certainly elevated some films above others um, purely for subjective reasons. So, yeah, I, I don't think mine's super objective, to be honest. Um, although I would say number one is objectively the best film. So oh. <laughs> It's got to be Carol. <laughs> oh, whoa, spoilers. <laughs> yeah. Spoilers. Jeez, you. Not in spoil anything. You don't even know. Fuck. <laughs> All right. Let's play in the start long con. Huh? <laughs> um, who wants to start? Should we? we sh- I, I can start. Can do it. Sure. Start us off. Take us away. <clears throat> All right. You guys ready for this? Yep. My number five film of the year. Black Mass. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Whitey Bulger never killed anybody. Uh, fuck that Under film. Our uh, <laughs> no, my my number five film of the year was Victoria. Did, it, uh, interesting did, choice. Okay. Did, did either of you see it? Yeah, I, I saw Victoria. I've seen it, and this will be interesting. But you have or have not, Dan? I haven't. Oh, well. But Steve, you said you did? I did see it, yeah. Okay, so um, this film, I think, and I, I think I want to preface this all just by saying, like, I think my top ten films could easily, uh, like, interchange with each other. Yeah. Um, I think they're all really quite excellent. Um, but I wanted to put Victoria on this list just because I think it's a special film. Um, and I know Steve's going to, like, s- say the same thing he said about uh, Boyhood, which is that, oh, like, it's not a big deal that they filmed it over, you know, 12 years or whatever. Whoa. Introduce it a Wait, little. Wait, that movie took twelve years to make. Yeah, Boyhood did. Oh, let's okay. not. Let's not. <laughs> uh, Keith, give me a give me a summary of. of the oh trip. well, I actually don't want to. Um, I'd much not rather like not ruin it for you. The thing I will say is that 
the the filmmaking feat is that the entire movie is one take. It's a two hour and sixteen okay. minute movie, and it is one shot. I okay. I'm I'm I pulled it up here. I am familiar sort of with it, but don't yeah, read it about it. No, no. I just the, the premise. Yeah, don't fucking read it. <laughs> yeah, I, it's really Too a good late. idea to go into that film cold. I would, I would have to say. Basically, what happens is a, a girl uh, meets some some guys. She's in uh, in Germany. Uh, she meets some guys and they invite her out for a night on the town, basically. And then things spiral out of control. I guess I would say. Like, I think we gotta we gotta say this is spoiler free because how how the hell are you guys gonna talk about it like if if you're gonna worry about there have to be some spoilers I think but I mean like there's actually I mean it's not uh, the the mo- I mean it's basically in terms of plotting like uh, as uh, forward moving as Mad Max's put it that way there's not, there's not a whole lot going on outside of like just the one thing that's happening. Okay. So, I mean, are you okay with spoilers, Dan? Or, like, what's... Yeah, I am. I, I think that any movies that we haven't seen, that's it, if, if it gets spoiled, it's on us. <laughs> Alright, I'm gonna yell shit, though, if, like, I don't want you to spoil a movie or something. Um, okay. But, yeah, so, okay, so what happens is uh, she meets these guys, and they're sort of like these low-level hoodlums, and one of them was in prison, and he owes a guy a favor, and the guy calls it in, and they have to rob a bank. And she sort of gets swept up in, in this heist. Um, and so, like, I wouldn't say this is, like, a news story by any means. You know, she's, you know, interested in one of the guys. And she, you know, has... Uh, she's sort of like a devil-may-care type. She's, you know, sort of a thrill-seeker. Um, and so she goes along with it, basically. Because um, she likes them. And they're the only friends that she has um, in town. She's new. Um, but, so, I mean, the film is 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 incredible like it's it's all the cool things about that you liked about dogma you know the dogma movement um you know being there with with her for the full two hours and 16 minutes as every single event unfolds in front of you is uh it's it's thrilling it's like the the storytelling suits the story so well you know being pulled into this 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 heist um, it's terrifying and real and you can't help but like invest yourself in the movie. Um, and like sort of some of the tension that you have over like, Oh my God, that they're pulling off this two hour and 16 minute film, uh, bleeds over into like the tension that you have about what's going on on screen. And it just makes for this really amazing, like visceral experience. Um, so I really loved that about Victoria and I wanted to, to highlight it and I thought it was that was a great film. Was it shot like Dogma style or similar to Dogma style? Yeah, I mean, Steve probably knows more about Dogma than I do, but yeah, I mean, pretty much it was shot. Uh, the the main uh, noticeable thing in terms of its filmmaking is like it's it's one uninterrupted shot mm-hmm. all the way through. There's no there's no like shadow cuts like you would see in Birdman. It's just they straight up shot that whole movie in like two hours and 16 minutes and like the the coordination oh and, my god and yeah. like filmmaking that went into this is absolutely like unreal for me like i really like that movie um uh i th- there was a point i think particularly in the beginning that had some 
there were some pacing issues, but like it's hard to be mad at a pacing issue when you know you're coordinating the entire film as you're shooting shooting it. Yeah. Um, so, but like overall, I think Aronofsky said like his like he basically had like a mind gasm when he saw that movie. <laughs> yeah, it's it's really it's and it's really a, dude. The acting is actually really well. Yeah, the well the acting is 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 excellent, um, especially Victoria, the actress who plays her. Um, and like it's you know like it, you know some of the the things that happen with these sort of like romance thriller things they happen and you know they're going to happen and et cetera et cetera but like all in all like the the decision making is generally pretty sound like everything that happens is fairly realistic and it it never really draws you out of the film it's it's like a great it's just a great film going experience I, I really really recommend it for that reason. Um, but I agree. There's like definitely some drawbacks. I thought the score was sort of terrible. Um, like the musical cues were pretty bad. Mm-hmm. And yeah, there was some pacing issues. Um, but I, I think you should just see it because it's it's an incredible like filmmaking achievement. <laughs> yeah, I missed out. <laughs> it sounds like. But you say like it's very visceral and it really swept you up. <clears throat> yeah. Did it have like? But but you also said like these these films that you cultivated for this list, like they they had something particular to tell you or, or something original to say. Is that like yeah? How, how would that apply to this? I would say that that's why this film is fifth on the list and not higher because uh, okay. it didn't really tell me anything new about life. It was just like great filmmaking, um, and it it showed me something really new. Um, for example, like a film like Brooklyn, which I just saw, I thought was great. And I'm sorry if somebody's got this on their list, <laughs> I'm uh, upstaging them. But like I thought it was great. It was, you know, incredibly crafted. Everything was like perfectly placed and curated, and and so on and so forth. But it didn't show me anything new. Um, I think it was excellent, and I would, you know, have placed it quite high on this list. But you know, uh, it didn't show me anything new. So it, I just had to end up downranking things for that reason. Okay, Steve, um, you were pretty positive too. Sounds like, but yeah, like, that's I, a lot I assume it's not on your list if you don't if you don't say anything. Why do you say that? Well, <laughs> isn't it like like what we did last time was like because we don't want to like double talk about a movie. Like if someone triggers another person, like they they let they let you know so we can just talk about it once. <laughs> well, well, can you can you trigger me before you say the word? <laughs> Trigger warning. We're going to talk about. Um, I actually have Victoria at number five. Also. Oh, oh shit. Okay. Well, why don't why don't you like launch into uh, what what you had to say about it then? I mean, we already got into it. I mean, pretty much everything that Keith said, plus my my addendum. Sure. Is why I liked it. Like, the, dude, the acting is actually maybe like the most apart from like the uninterrupted take, which is fucking crazy. The acting was actually like stellar. Yeah, for what that well that was. that was like I mean you mentioned dogma but like that's always in a dogma film like what stands out to me and I think that's kind of why they were you know they they uh, created this vow of chastity uh, because they wanted to strip everything away and leave like the actors and the acting uh, mm-hmm. at the forefront so that makes sense yeah they they pulled that off hundred percent of this movie all right. Yeah, number five. Uh, yeah, um, <laughs> I'm imagining I'm I'm gonna trigger one or both of you, uh, but my number five is Carol. 
Dude number five. <laughs> Dude, that's a, that's a top two movie. Like, for, like all right. Anyway, you know. I think I'm well, gonna trigger you... you by saying that it's not on my top five. Wow, okay. you. Wow. So, so where is it? Where is it for you, Steve? You want me to tell you no? Yeah, Carol. Wait, it... He doesn't have to tell us what number. He can talk about it though. I mean, I can tell you that it's on the list. And I've already given you a significant hint. <laughs> I, just, I don't want to know if it's his number one. Let, let's just talk. Okay. Okay. okay, but why don't, since it's, <laughs> since it's high up for you, why don't you open and talk about it? Because <laughs> you, you probably you know, have, have more to say about it than I do, or, or it means more to you. So, so like, I, it, Carol wasn't even really on my radar, but, like, Keith was up in Boston, and we were like, oh, Hateful Eight was shit, what else should we watch? He was like, Carol, and I was like, what the fuck is that? So, anyway, we go watch it. And, um, like, basic, like, for a romance story, I was watching it, and I was just waiting for something to be cliche. Like, I was just, like, waiting, I was waiting for, like, a misstep in the movie so I could justify my, like, it not having been on my radar. Um, but, like... <laughs> At every single opportunity for it to just like, I, I don't know, fall fall into like this, to to be cliche, like it, it it didn't even, like it it's not even that it did justice to the cliche, like justifying why the cliche exists. It seemed to like at every turn transcend the cliche, like th- that it was a uh, that it was doing in the movie, and I was like, God damn, like how is it? How is it actually being this good in this moment? Yeah. Uh, that's that's yeah. I ended up loving that movie. Uh, okay. Uh, what I'll say about it is that uh, I, I didn't have like maybe quite the mind blowing experience, and maybe that's because Steve hyped it up so much before I saw it. <laughs> I had no expectations going in, so. Uh, so so I saw it. I thought it was really really good uh but it's it's really stuck with me since then uh so it's really kind of grown on me as i've thought about like what am i going to include on my list uh <clears throat> but i think why it was so powerful for me um that there are certain movies that have the ability to summon uh, like cer- the sense of touch and sense of smell and like kind of wrap you up in a sensory experience and I don't know exactly how that happens, but uh, in this movie, like there was a, a a lot of attention to texture, like from from the yep. the handle of a of a of a like the the door handle of a, a car door um, to a like the fabric of a dress. Um, there was a lot of like vapors um, and and visual cues and and audio cues that kind of summoned a sense of smell for me as well. And so like I was, it kind of held me in thrall in that, (laughs) in that sense. Like I, I I really, it was, it was a completely besides emotional experience, a completely physical experience. Like it was so well directed and so well shot and so well lit. Talking about texture, they shot on like an incredibly grainy 16 millimeter. Mm -hmm. Yeah. uh, And I thought that that worked really well for, mm-hmm. for the film. And I, I know like they're kind of going for like a, <laughs> the older period feel, but it like, it looked so good. Yeah. Yeah. It was beautiful. 
I, I totally agree with you. It was, it was like a, <laughs> that sounds like so stupid, but it was like a very sensual film. Um, yeah. Yeah. I would have, like, if I had to, was forced to rank these, it would have been like maybe fifth or sixth. I just put Victoria on because I wanted to, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, yeah, the only thing about Carol is that it just left me a little bit cold. I was never, uh, like you said, swept up in it. Um, I was always like just uh, like a hand removed from it, just a foot removed from it. Um, and I was never fully into their romance. Really? Yeah. But, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of argue. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Can, can you can you please? Argue? <laughs> like one one of the things I really liked, and, and I was like before I was talking about attention to detail that like permeates this whole thing, and it permeates their performances. Uh, like Carol and Therese are really restrained in their mannerisms, and you know Dan, you can Dan, go into- Dan it's Therese. Or Therese. <laughs> yes. Let's be clear. Carol and Therese. Thank you. Thank you, Steve. <laughs> uh, they, like, they, there are all sorts of obvious reasons for, you know, why they would be so restrained. Like, it's part of, like, the, the kind of facade that women have to put on. Uh, and it's also, you know, like, what they're getting involved in is, is so taboo. Uh, but, like, it, you really start paying attention to little, like, ticks and gestures that they make. Um, and And that's what carries... Uh, uh, the emotional like heft of their of their relationship and and carries across the emotions that they're feeling just these little ticks like the way they eat food in a restaurant together uh like that's that really carried across a lot of uh uh, uh kind of longing and 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 uh attraction and that was that really got at me i guess like on an emotional level so i think it it really worked emotionally. <clears throat> yeah, agreed. I wasn't left cold at all. I mean, particularly because Kate Blanchett was just fucking <laughs> smoldering on that screen. <laughs> um, and it's like, I, I love both of the performances because uh, Therese Rooney Mara ends up being, she's so much more understated. Like I, somebody mentioned, I forget what interview it was, but she was like just totally acting with the eyes which just, sure. like is so true of her character and which I really enjoyed because like she, she's doing a lot with not very much. And then Kate Blanchett, oh, don't even get me started. A master. Dude, was, master. dude there, there were like looks that she threw in that movie that were just like, Oh my God. <laughs> Steve was melted down by this film. I'm pretty sure if she tried in real life, she could probably just like, throw a glance at like a candle and just like set it aflame or something. <laughs> <laughs> um I you know I don't like I don't disagree with anything you say. I'm I don't have a good explanation, but it, it just left a little bit cold by it. Um I was not swept up in it's, their romance. It's just bad taste. It's <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's all it is. Um but I, yeah, I fully, fully agree with everything you're saying. Uh, I'll, I'll add one more thing. Um, I like that the film is so simple and straightforward. Um, like, I think in dealing with this, this kind of subject matter, and it's kind of been, like, put on a, a pedestal uh, uh, as, like, you know, in terms of LGBT uh, 
and what it does for for that movement and stuff. But like at a through and through, it's very simple. Uh, it's not like dramatic or showy or didactic. Uh, yeah, it's not it's, preachy at all. It's like it's not a message movie. Yeah, yeah just, and it also could have been like really like filled with tragic undertones, mm-hmm. um, and and it's not. It's 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 very simple, and uh, and I really like that about it. Mm-hmm. You have anything to add, Steve? Or no, should we move on? I think we're good. I think we should go to number four. Uh, does that mean I'm up? I guess. Yep. yep. Um, all right. My number four, and I think I'm probably going to trigger Dan, I'm guessing, uh, Sicario. Oh, shit. Interesting. Nope. I, no. You did not. Yeah, I'm and not triggered Steve? either. Nope. What? What, is, what the fuck I'm, is on your list? I'm really happy to talk about this. Like, I'm, yeah. <laughs> I'm glad you... Sicario is a weird film for me, but you, you go ahead and justify Ooh. your... Uh, your placement. Uh, uh, okay, so but you, you've all seen it then. Yeah. yeah. Great. Okay, so, man, this film, uh, I, I saw it, like, probably two weeks ago. It has stayed with me ever since. Um, it is, like, wow, what a tense fucking film, guys. It was so tense, <laughs> yeah. so ominous, so menacing. Uh, the I, I just, like, could not stop thinking about this film after I saw it. Um, the... the so the things that I loved <clears throat> most about it was probably uh, the the character work uh, of like Emily Blunt's character and Josh Brolin's character and and seeing how they are um, how they work in the world right so how their their level of operation within this world how they all uh, uh, like interface with everything and and how they are outclassed how Josh Brolin so like greatly outclasses them it is like a level of magnitude so much higher than than her uh her world he is on uh, like seven levels above her um and uh I particularly love uh the the point of view shift at the end and it really made me sort of think about this film and so the thing that I love so much about it is that I think uh, Emily Blunt is is this this cipher uh, through which we are watching the film, right? So we relate most to her. We start with her, <clears throat> and through her, we're watching Josh Brolin's character and um, what's his name, the other guy, Benicio. Yeah, Benicio. <laughs> you know, we're watching them, and we're like, "Who the fuck are these people? What's their deal?" Um, and ultimately, when like there's a POV shift, basically, and we like lose her. Um, we, I, I think it really like goes to the point that, uh, you know, she is, she is us. She is the cipher for us. She is the, the, the drug war on the homeland front. You know, she's the drug busts that we see on TV. She's the, the, the low level, you know, busts that happen and, and make your local news, um, and we think we're doing the right thing. You know, we think we're these tactical operators really like doing a difference um, when the truth is, is nothing of the sort. We're not disrupting networks. We're not winning the drug war. There's a whole other world out there um, and we're not part of it. And I think that, that she works so perfectly in that role and uh, how that happens in the film is so perfect. Um, and I, I was just blown away by it. I just like sat there and let the credits roll and like was in shock. 
Uh, so that was my my experience. Okay, here's, here's my reaction to that. I think everything you said is is right about the movie, but for some reason, and this is kind of like your uh, your analysis of Carol, like there was just something, there was some sort of disconnect because it had all of the elements, in my opinion, to be a great movie. It just didn't. They just didn't all gel for whatever reason for me. Um, because like the cinematography is great, the score is great. Yeah. Um, I like the way that it plays uh, with its structure and like changing of point of view, but there was just something that was slightly off, particularly that one scene. I think we're, we all saw it, right? I'm not going to spoil anything. Yep. Okay. Yeah. When Benicio is like sitting at the dinner table. Yeah, I agree. That, that was a sour note in, in the movie for me. I yeah, like, I liked, well. I liked what it was trying to do, but it didn't really do it. It should have been longer if anything. That sequence. Um, I mean, I wouldn't have been sad about a longer Sicario, but <laughs> oh hell no! But um, yeah. Overall, there was just like there was something that didn't gel in the movie for me. It's it's hard to put my finger on. But okay, all the elements I, individually are good. I, I like what you what you kind of pointed out as, as the weaknesses, Steve. Though I think I'm more on board with Keith because this almost made it onto my list. Mm-hmm. Uh, very close. Um, I, <laughs> But I think it did kind of transition. Like I, it, I was kind of I, the the experience that I had um, uh, in the beginning of the movie was one of like plunging into this world and like not having a footing and like figuring things out, like Emily Blunt is. And so I was kind of awed by you know everything that's going on around her and like how crazy and messed up you know this whole situation is, um, and. So it, it starts out as like kind of putting you into a different world, a different culture, one that we're not aware of. Um, and then it kind of transitions and it, and it doesn't, I wouldn't say it fails in the transition, but like it transitions to a revenge story more yeah. like a, a storybook story rather than like a cinema verite, um, you know, take on <laughs> uh, the, the world of, of drugs and, and, and the drug war. And, it, it, it kind of it, it handled it, you know, sort of well. But I also thought like it was a really weird tonal shift, um, and I didn't think it worked as well as the the first half, where I was just kind of sitting in in awe yeah. of everything that was going on around me. Like um, like something that I really liked that they they did in the in the first half to really like put you in this world uh, was when Josh Brolin gives Emily Blunt. Uh, uh, the flak jacket and he says like I think in most movies because it's meant to be a very dramatic moment because she like realizes how serious this is um, and so I think most movies would, would have him say something like you're going to need this or, <laughs> or something like this but he says why don't you put that on see how that fits or, or <laughs> something that, that really <laughs> lets you know that these people deal with this like on a daily basis and it was like such a perfect like look into how he views things um as compared to how Emily Blunt and we yeah. view things. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. And particularly, <clears throat> excuse me, and particularly with that, with like the splinter cell sequence, <laughs> it, it, it just kind of seemed like, like it was great to watch and like Deacons can shoot the shit out of anything, but like it particularly like the dinner table part, it just kind of seemed like revenge wish fulfillment. You know what I mean? I totally agree. It, it didn't seem like, like there was no, there was no, there was a lot. I think more weight in like every in, like every other part of that film except for that one. It's like it just sucked the air 
out of the room. You're like, why this is, this seems like incongruous with, with everything else that just, uh, happened. I agree. And, and I would, I would defend it by saying that I think that that's, I don't know if this was the intention, but like, regardless, I think that that, that, thought process of cutting the head off the snake is like a very pervasive line of thinking and you know regardless of whether or not it was a revenge Jason Bourne-esque like scene which it it was but uh, I think the fact that the film ends with the point being made that like that did basically nothing uh, you know sort of negates that I I agree with with what you're saying but like ultimately it is also saying like this revenge porn is also bullshit. I want to bring up like a composite sequence from No Country for Old Men, where it's um, uh, well, it's it's Anton Chigurh and it's uh, and it's Woody Harrelson. Oh, I'm, yeah. I'm sorry, yeah. Bar- Bardem and Harrelson in that one scene. It's like it's it's kind of similar to the scene that uh, to that Sicario sequence, but that one actually that one actually manages to keep all the tension. Whereas the one in Sicario, it's just like, it doesn't do it. Even when he kills the kids. Yeah, no, I mean, he's like an unstoppable force of nature, which cannot, you know, I agree. It's like not great. <laughs> I, I was also a little disappointed with what they did with the, uh, the like Mexican guy, the family guy who was a kid. And then like, Benicio del Toro Dude, shoots him. I was really hoping that was that like, whole, that whole like that. sea story. I was like, it was, could have been completely cut from the movie. It was oddly done. I definitely it, Like it didn't add. And like every once in a while, you would just randomly go see this Mexican policeman. And it's just like, it was so inconsequential. Mm-hmm. And then like the very last shot of the movie is just like Mexican kids playing soccer. And I'm just like, really? Well, like so but then but then you hear gunshots and and more disaster and the yeah dis- yeah as if we needed more gunshots though you know what well, I mean well uh, yeah but it's it, saying, it just like, like nothing has has changed right? I, I like, know I, but you get that shit. sense but like many scenes before that it just seems like it's beating you over the head with see nothing happens and it's just like <laughs> <laughs> I really didn't find it like find it beating me over the head too much but I don't know because it's like Benicio kills that guy. Right, it's like that whole tunnel sequence. Emily, like he shoot, like he shoots Emily Blunt's like, shut the fuck up. Your side doesn't do shit. And then it's like, you get he gets his revenge wish fulfillment, and it's like, okay. Uh, and then after that, you get like him like putting the gun to her and saying, you know, just like sign sign the piece of paper because like you know like this is the way things have to be. And then and it's, it's just Mexican kids playing soccer. I was. <laughs> Okay, uh, I, I think it walks a fine line. Like, like I say, I'm more more with Keith. Um, but in order to like t- talk about something this movie does really well, like, goddamn, this is this had like three of the most intense <laughs> scenes that yeah. I've that I've seen on on yeah. film, like in 2015, like the the raid across the border. That was um, awesome. The the scene where Emily Blunt like is starting to have sex with this guy, and then like <laughs> sees the what was it? A rubber band? Uh, yeah, the the band. Holy the shit! RM, the like, money. Yeah. that that's like white knuckle right there. Those are so intense. Yeah, I agree. The whole film was like I was sitting on the edge of my seat. My heart was pounding. I was like fucking flipping out the entire film. Um, yeah, there was definitely some downsides. Um, I think Victoria had some downsides. This will, and I think my next film. Um, also has some has some issues, but there's something so special about each of my my 
bottom three films that like I can't. I have to. I have. I got to put them up there, man. There's there's something really great there. Yeah. Uh, let's let's move on. Uh, who who goes next? I think you it's are- me. Yep. Okay. Um, my number four is Slow West. Wow. Ooh. Unexpected. <laughs> have you guys seen it? I have. I have seen it. Yeah. Um, I I feel I maybe it's partly on this list because I feel like there's a bias for like act like fun quirky movies, but I feel like this manages to do a lot. Like I love the I love the melodrama of it, and it's just acted really well. And it has some of like the weirder scenes that you might. See. It, it it's a very revisionist western. It's like let's t- let's take let's take the western as a genre, but let's place it more like more more northwest. But actually, let's shoot it in New Zealand and actually, it, it, and let's have them drink. Um, God, I can't remember the name. Absinthe. Absinthe. Yeah, and let's have them just drink absinthe in the, in the middle of the movie. Uh, and, and like, there's all these quirky elements, like the salt in the wound, which I just thought like shouldn't work. It shouldn't be the case that like somebody gets shot through the heart and then another bullet hits a jar like a jar of salt and it just falls into that. But it worked. Uh, I'm having a tough time explaining this one, but I, I highly enjoyed it. Okay, I, I'm. Wait, you said you've seen it, Keith, right? Yes. I wasn't like a huge fan of it, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um. Uh, I didn't like where it went to the end with like everything turning into a bloodbath. Like it, it really. It, I thought of it when uh, after seeing the hateful eight. Um, it it seemed it was it, better it, than the hateful eight. <laughs> I probably agree with that, but uh, even so, like I, it didn't seem like it earned that. Like it, it just seemed like it was trying to be. Uh, I, I don't know if gritty is the right word, but it's like trying to be pointed. Like you know, no, I think for I actually have the exact opposite reaction. I think I think when you start watching that movie, you kind of know how it's going to culminate, and I actually think really? that that the the shootout at the end is like comically long. Like that that shootout becomes comic. Uh. Okay, so maybe, but like that's also the case of the hateful eight. Like, it's not. It doesn't mean like it was. It was earned or like it. It, it was particularly. I, I would characterize the hateful eight not as comic, but as just gross self indulgence. Well, it was definitely trying to be comic uh, at the very least. Emphasis on trying. Okay. Um. Like I liked Cody Smith McPhee. Like there, there were some really interesting people that they ran across. Like the, the, um, the people who he spoke to in French and the the campfire where the, where the the guy uh, was telling that story about. Like I thought there was a really well told story about the guy who he he shoots um, because mm-hmm. he he thought he shot someone, but it turned out to be a bear or something. Um, like there, there are some really great like individual moments, but I didn't think it added up to much. Uh, besides Cody Smith McPhee, I didn't even think Michael Fassbender did like the greatest job. Uh, really, and, and I know people like kind of played characters here, and and that's kind of what you know. It was sort of meant to be sort of storybook feel. That's fine, yeah. but 
I I didn't like there was nothing if he's playing a character, it wasn't like the most interesting character <laughs> to me. I don't know, man. Ben Mendelsohn, Michael Fassbender, that whole that whole that whole storybook like revisionist western thing. I liked it. I liked it. Keith, what do you think? Um, I I I I saw this film and uh, it just didn't leave a huge mark on me. Um, so I don't have a ton to say. Like. <laughs> Uh, like you just were saying about the story that that whoever was telling, I don't even remember that story. Um, uh, so I don't, I don't know. It was, it was, you know, I saw like a lot of Western esque films uh, this year, actually, which was uh, sort of interesting um, that that was like in the zeitgeist. But um, yeah, it was. I liked certain elements of it. I liked. Uh, Cody Smith McPhee's like overall story, and I liked him and Michael Fassbender, um, their their relationship and and how he sort of was shepherding this boy along, and and how he sort of bought into his his little fantasy and you know changed his it was sort of redemptive for him, and I I mean I liked all of that, but ultimately it just didn't uh, hit hit me. Uh, in a in a, in a way that was memorable, um, but okay. I, I certainly was charmed by it at times. I didn't hate it. It was like not a bad way to spend an hour and a half. It was very short. Yeah, it was, that's another thing I liked about it. It was very lean. There wasn't a lot of fat on yeah. the film. Yeah, it was very simple. Yeah, I liked. I liked that it was storybook, and it just uh, yeah, it didn't delve anywhere into my memory. <laughs> I just, I don't remember it. In one year, out the other. <laughs> yeah, sort of. Alright, Dan? Alright. Uh, my number four was, and I know you guys have both seen this one, The love. Secret of the uh, Kills. <laughs> yeah, Gasper <laughs> Noe's love. Two uh, years running. Wait, really? Interesting. I'm, yeah. like, really surprised that you like that film as much as you did. Like, really surprised. Okay, well, I'm I'm interested to, to hear I, you talk more about that, but all this year did that actually come out this year? Like, how does that work? It's a good like, question. Uh, <laughs> running in local theaters or anything? Well, so I mean, we saw it in 2015, it. so I feel like. I wonder if it is on on demand right now. Uh, it probably is. I guess. <laughs> I, n- I never thought I'd have to defend like <laughs> it well, based on like what I mean, year it came out. It says 2015 on on IMDb, but. Like there are films that said 2014 that are on my list, so <laughs> I think it ultimately doesn't matter. But I, I guess I just the reason I'm bringing it up is I didn't even consider it because I didn't okay. see it come out in theaters. I like it didn't even sure. appear in my brain. Hmm. Okay, well I'll, I'll say a little bit about it, um, and uh, and I guess you guys will have something to say at the very least. Uh, so. It, and like this, this film doesn't have a very high. Uh, like a, a lot of critics didn't like it very much, uh, and the ones that that did, like I don't think they liked it that much. So I, I think this is a film I'll, I'll find myself defending the most. Like why I included it here. Um, it, I, I found it to be like particularly raw and, uh, and 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 honest, and and I think like that's something that art like. People find it really hard to be honest in art. You know, there's all this second guessing, like listening to criticism and stuff. 
Uh, but like this was this was very much like Gaspar Noé kind of makes movies, I guess you could say, for himself, and he makes movies about things that you know he finds interesting and things that he cares about. And I think like uh, art really uh, uh, works well when when you have that kind of brutal honesty and self reflection, um, and uh, like it it's filled with all sorts of emotion, like you know, despair indolent apathy, um, a love sickness, lust, love, all that. Uh, and, and I was really swept up in the, the kind of obsessive power that, that memories had over, over the protagonist, over the, uh, the American guy. Uh, it, it really kind of reminded me of how mundane moments can take on, uh, lurid or, or tragic overtones or undertones when we like play them back for ourselves in our minds. And so, yeah, just like the the kind of the power that memory has over us, um, and and how that can uh, create uh, uh, really summon up really like strong emotions of like longing and loss and and tragedy, uh, and because you know it's really a very tragic film like uh, that really. Uh, hit home for me and and I was kind of like brutalized I guess by it in in some ways after I after I left the theater uh it was very sad uh but you know very poignant as well yeah that's that's what I gotta say well there it is uh I I um I totally agree with you Dan I agree with everything that you said um, and I'm a little sad that I couldn't. I never considered it. No, I I agree too. I just think that uh, what what you said, some of what you said, works better in theory than it does in practice. Like uh, this this sort of reflexive memory aspect of it. There were certain scenes where it was just like incredibly repetitious. Mm-hmm. It was like, oh my god, I can't believe you did this, uh, and like, but like, I I ended up actually really liking the movie. I mean, I am the one that clapped at the cum shot in the middle. Of the movie. But, you do uh, have that distinction, uh, and I will carry that distinction forward. forward. <laughs> A story to tell your grandchildren. <laughs> hey, grandkids, uh, <laughs> let's watch some Gaspar and away. <laughs> or maybe Solo. We'll start with Solo. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I, yeah, I think like p- partly it's like I lot I liked a lot of what the movie was doing in theory, but in practice, some of those bits didn't work so much. But I remember at the end of the movie, like I like I actually enjoyed it. But I think at least in terms of uh, the movies that have been on my mind in the last couple of months, like love, love sort of fell off the radar pretty fast. Okay, um, I I agree with you as well. Although I would say that I think though the repetitious nature of it works in the film's favor ultimately. Like, I mean, you may have personally found it like boring or, or whatever. No, it, but like, it's not the repetition. I mean, it, I understand what it's doing for the film. I think if you string them all together, you can at the end of the day say, yeah, this is what it's doing. And it, it's actually helpful for the film. But I think there, if you isolated certain scenes from that movie, independent of the rest of it, you would, you would grade the scene as perhaps a poor scene in the film. Well, yeah, but you can't do that. Like <laughs> Gaspar Noé, like all his films are kind of filled with 
uh, a kind of repetition. Yo, you're talking um, to the Gaspar Noé master here. <laughs> but but like <laughs> that's not that that's like what he what he's known for. And if, if yeah, if you take any of those scenes by themselves, they might not be that interesting. But it's definitely like one scene as a whole, and like uh, as part of a, a whole experience. Uh, that's where it, it really shines and, and where it gains its its poignancy and its mm-hmm. uh, themes and and all that. I don't know. I would watch it again on like on the big screen. I would definitely love to do that to reassess it. All right. Well, I um, yeah. I'm I I agree though with you, Steve. That like it. I haven't thought about it. Uh, a ton since we we saw it, um, but I'm really thankful, <laughs> uh, honestly, that mm-hmm. uh, I I don't have that kind of heartbreak in my life <laughs> right now because um, I I expect that it is quite realistic if I were ever to have that kind of relationship. So you'll you'll uh, be wanting to do MDMA, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I I think I definitely saw in that film a lot of like probably my behavior uh if i ever was like that you know single-mindedly obsessed with somebody and in love uh and they like went on some coke binge and disappeared uh i think i would probably be pretty obsessed so mm-hmm. yeah yeah all right number three uh, i guess that means i'm up uh all right, uh, I I would be very interested if either of you have seen this, uh, Mistress America. Uh, dude, I tried to watch that on the plane ride back from Vegas the other day, but it was six, <laughs> but it was six bucks. And dude, get this, all of the movies they adjusted for for full screen, and I'm like, yo, fuck that, I'm not gonna watch any movie adjusted for full screen. I am sad to report I haven't seen it. I like Noah Bombach or however you say his name. Uh, Noah Bombach. Like... Really? No, okay. that's, that's a lie. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I'm all discombobulated now. Uh, I like Greta Gerwig, so shit. Um, Is she America's yeah. sweetheart now? <laughs> maybe, maybe not enough exposure. Maybe, maybe like East Coast, like yeah, New Yorker, America, yeah. sweetheart. Yeah. Um, so I had never, I've never seen, I never saw Francis Ha. So this was actually my first. Ooh, I love Francis Ha. It's a great movie. Yeah. It's a good movie. Uh, well, I will certainly add it to my list after seeing this. Um, and the only other no Bombac film I've seen is While We're Young, which I actually didn't love that much. Um, but so anyways, uh, Mistress America is basically about this, like, it centers on this this one girl who, um, and I'll try and not spoil this really for you, um, but it centers on this one girl. She's, you know, freshman in college and she doesn't really know anyone. She's, um, you know, introverted, smart, um, but like supremely unconfident um, and unsure of herself, as you know, everyone is. They're sort of trying to figure their shit out when they join or get into college. Um, so her mom's divorced and she's marrying this guy and he has a daughter who is Greta Gerwig. And she's, you know, this the, the consummate cosmopolitan urbanite uh, New Yorker type, you know, going out to all these cool bars and blah, blah, blah. Uh, but anyways, so she encourages her to to meet her and hook up with her um, and have her show her the city. And so that's what she does. And 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 so that's as far as I'll go with it. But um, I'll say that 
that I loved this film, and I admit, much like four and five, it is a very imperfect film. Um, but I love it for what it does, um, which is it's it's about a person, you know, learning learning how to to grow up. It's like a totally different kind of coming of age film. Um, you know, coming of age is usually like teen becoming an adult. This is like an adult, you know, really becoming learning how to become an adult. Um, and it's, it's about a person who's exploring the world and trying to find their role models and trying to find their heroes and trying to find what they want out of life. Um, so she meets Greta Gerwig and, and she sort of is that character for her. And she plays this like incredible, like extroverted life force type of person, you know, that person that just makes you want to go like run through the streets and like live your life to the fullest. <laughs> like you saw in a black and white New York film. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, really. It, it's true. Um, and I just love that. Uh, I love that. It's something that I personally um, like find in- important uh, and something that I struggle with. Um, and I found it like very interesting um, to investigate and, and sort of pull apart and watch um, but I mean, it's not, it's not, it's not perfect in the third act. I would say it, it sort of falls apart a little bit. It sort of becomes a farce almost, uh, and it gets kind of weird. Um, but it's, it's just a really like lovely portrait of these two, uh, people sort of figuring their shit out. Um, and I loved it. All right. I, I, if, if I hadn't seen Francis Ha and like really liked it, I probably wouldn't be like, like this sounds like the most indie movie. Like, well, kind of finding their way in life. Uh, like well, Francis Haas too. It's like yeah, no, exactly. But like he, he he pulls it off really well in that movie. So so I I, I can believe Keith when when he says like it really works and everything. But it does. It just sounds like <laughs> the he's, most indie premise. He's like that one guy that made like is able to make indie movies that like everybody wants to make. Like when everybody thinks about like oh man, I want to make an indie movie. Like that's that's the that's the result that they want, but it's like almost impossible to get. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it is, it is not a perfect film. I want to clarify that again, because <laughs> um, I, I don't, it definitely has problems. Uh, I mean, this is number of, three in a, in a stellar year for films. So yeah. you, you liked it a lot. <laughs> I did. I did like it a lot. I think what it does, it does excellently and was really, uh, it was beautiful. I don't know. I loved it. Um, but yeah, it's, it's not perfect. Some of the dialogues were all weird and stilted, and the whole thing is kind of uh, stylized in an interesting way. But uh, anyways, mm-hmm. that is my, that's my number three. Okay. I don't have much to say, I guess. All right, word. My turn? <laughs> yep. Uh, my number three is Animal Lisa. Hmm. Nice. It's uh, not on my list. Uh, well, you can end the call now if you like. <laughs> it, it's. I liked it. Keith, is it? <laughs> oh, on my list? No. Okay. Well, I know we've all seen it, so I thought it was it, it was interesting to me that it was a uh, like. In, I typically don't like animated films. Luckily, it was like more of a stop motion animated type thing because I can tolerate that. <laughs> uh, but like, it was also like it, it was maybe one of the more introspective movies I've seen uh, last year, and also like maybe one of the more human ones as well. 
it, it seemed to eke out a lot in terms of, uh, you know, wh- where you might end up, uh, as an older person. And like, it, it, even playing with, um, really like Jennifer Jason Lee's character in that she film. Unreal. I thought she, she was excellent. She's like, she's like so self-aware of like when her development was arrested and like who she is that it like, it's kind of tragic and that like, you're also applauding her because like she's accepted it. And then, and like, likewise for, um, uh, David Thewlis's character in the film, although he, he seems to, he, he never seems to really, uh, she, she's, she's accepted it, but he, he sort of hasn't. It's a very odd film. I just like, yeah. Boom. There it is. I, I would have been really happy if Jennifer Jason Lee had been nominated for her, her voice performance yeah. over, you know, <laughs> Hateful Eight. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I really feel like this, the film, you know, was, 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 was made so much better by her performance. Um, and, and without her really would have failed. Um, mm. it basically, entirely hung on her performance i would say um the reason it's like not on my list is like i loved it i loved like the the opening or like the the beginning i don't know hour or so uh uh, but it never i I don't i didn't know what to do with the end and i didn't know what it was trying to say and i never figured it out and the whole thing was sort of unclear to me Mm -hmm. uh and i yeah i i feel like the message just went over my head or something. I don't know what to do with that film. Beyond, yeah, it was so like, much had a message. It was just kind of an exploration of like mental illness and having uh, a condition like this guy has. Uh, she was trying to... If it's even a condition. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I couldn't diagnose it, I guess, but it's... I, I, I definitely dig, like it did help me like kind of did make me feel really bad for like everyone in, in the film. Like it, it, uh, it, it was, it was very sad. Um, a lot of people were like heartbroken, but it, and, but it sort uh, of wasn't sad for her at the end of the day. I mean, it was, but it wasn't, you know what I mean? Like she yeah. had, uh, you know, an epiphany of, of sorts. Whereas he just like continues to be like sort of a terrible person, um, with maybe like uh, <laughs> a mental disorder. I didn't think of him as a terrible person. Like I thought, like he really, he's, he's totally a terrible person. He's, he's like got a, a condition where like he can't, you know, relate to people uh, normally, and uh, I I felt more bad for him than than you know, upset with him. Well, I guess maybe uh, you could. I mean, you, maybe I would say that regardless, his behavior uh, makes him sort of a bad person, um, a bad actor. He is like abusive uh, and and like uses people to his own ends, pretty much, and doesn't really care about them. Yeah. Right, I mean, he the the woman that he first tries to like have sex with, and then you know she she says no, and he just basically goes and tries to like fuck someone, and he doesn't really care about anyone, and uh, he he basically is using 
both of them to make himself feel better because he's like having a, a midlife crisis or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and he doesn't really care about them uh, beyond how and they make him put feel. it well beyond a midlife crisis. Like, yeah, they, well, I mean, he I has, think it's like, unquestionable mental, that he has like mental, uh, some kind of mental condition that's pretty serious or, yeah. not, or not. Right. Which is like, I don't know. I just felt like I was grasping a lot of the film and I never felt like I latched onto what was really happening here. So I just sort of didn't know what to do with the film at the end of the day. Dan, number three. Uh, okay. Um, my number three is Timbuktu. Really? Get yeah. out of here. Interesting. I uh, saw well, that film. Is this the well, Dark Horse movie? <laughs> like, what is this? <laughs> Wait, have you seen it, Steve? I have not. Like, actually, I think I know what you're talking about. Plenty. I'm thinking of Contiki. I haven't seen Timbuktu. Okay. Uh, it, it made a lot of waves critically this year. Uh, Keith, you've seen it? <laughs> Sorry, I was taking a drink of water. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, take it easy there. Will I? Will Will I <laughs> give my spiel? Um, we we we've kind of talked about this uh, with Sicario, though. I think this did a better job than Sicario in like giving me a glimpse of a of a whole nother world. Um, and you know, people who live lives that are very different than mine, um, and that's something that I find you know endlessly fascinating. It, it's sort of uh, it's akin to another movie that I I kind of wanted to include on my list but didn't. Uh, Tangerine. Um, like I, I don't live a life anything like you know. You're not a transgender in- hooker. <laughs> yeah, um, <laughs> looking for revenge life- on the man who maybe cheated on you oh, after man. you got out of prison. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm hoping that's on, on your list, Keith, so that we can talk <laughs> about it. Uh, but like, yeah, my, my life is completely different, but yet it's able to. I'm able to connect with with these people. Um, and and learn about them and learn about like what they consider important and and um, you know connect with them a vast or across a vast cultural gulf and so that also kind of raises the, the question of subjectivity because would someone who lives a life um, that, that's more similar to the the characters in in this film would they uh, find this film very compelling? You want to give Steve a little more context overall? Oh yeah, I'm actually watching the trailer right now, <laughs> ignoring everything you're <laughs> saying. Well, we'll, we'll pause, pause the trailer for a second, and uh, it, it's basically about a pretty small town um, called Timbuktu, in I think it's in Mali, yep. uh, and uh, and it's uh, it was occupied. Like it, it's a fictional film, but it, it's. It's about a, a real event in which you know jihadists, uh, for a brief, pretty brief period, um, occupied um, this uh, th- this village and imposed like Sharia law, and uh, and so it's the friction between them as the ruling class and uh, the the natives who have lived there for for a, a long time and have very different um, I don't know modes of dealing with people and all that. Anyway, 
like a particular scene that that stood out to me was when the the jihadist uh, demands that this this woman be his wife because like he put in like what he was supposed to put in uh, like he courted her in the way that he knew how to but like her family doesn't and and she doesn't uh, uh, want to go along with him um, but like they're they're, they're they both think like they're completely right like this their viewpoints are, are built on like this this cultural identity that they have for themselves and years of separate traditions um, and that really like made me realize how you know various uh, people's uh, attitudes and beliefs uh, can be within even such a, a, a small society that, you know, is, you know, it, it is Islamic, uh, you know, people living there are, are Islamic, but like they have completely different uh, beliefs and, and ways of, of dealing with people. So, yeah. So what what did you you found value in in sort of the the in, the, the distinction that, making between drawing out all the various uh, individual actors and and what you know differentiates everyone from each other and yeah like being able to connect with with such a, a wide variety of people across such a, a vast cultural gulf is I guess what I would say. Uh-huh. Why why I included it so high? Mm. That's something I really I really value in in a movie that you know is able to bring me into this whole other world. Hmm. Yeah, I um, <clears throat> I didn't. Uh, yeah, I just didn't love it. <laughs> I uh, I I totally get what you're saying, and I didn't. I, I I don't know. It's like weird. I have one of my old coworkers was Malian, and I had like a lot of conversations with him about this. This like wasn't new information. Um, he's like a pretty moderate, you know, modern uh, Muslim. He you know drinks and has premarital sex, and you know, but he's still uh, you know a Muslim. And so I I got like a lot of the color on all of this and. He has strong connections to his country, and um, I don't know. Uh, the film didn't reveal anything new to me, so it just—I was hoping that it would be more interesting. When I think, like, the point that it was making was, we're all people, and we're all, you know, trying to—I don't—I don't, I don't know. <laughs> sort of damning with. Uh, with- Faint praise, maybe. I should uh, probably just go to number two now. I, well, okay. <laughs> I feel like I need to offer more of a defense, but I, I, I liked, I really loved the the kind of family dynamics that the, the main central family had, you know, the, the father who gets condemned to death. Um, it, like his conversation with his wife as he was going to go talk about uh, this cow that had been killed. Uh, and she says, like, oh, maybe, maybe you should leave the gun behind. Like, it, it was such a su- such a very different relationship than, like, a, a relationship that I would have with, with someone. Like, if they, if they were going to take a gun, like, someone that I loved, I, like, I, I, would, I, I would react very differently. But 
you know, it was just such an interesting kind of look into the the family dynamics there. Uh, yeah, uh, so I don't know. That's yeah, about I, all just, I, can say. I just feel like the film's like intention was to show that like you know these these people have all their you know, various concerns and this is why they interact with each other, how they do. And like, that's totally valuable and I get it. But like, I, I, I'm not sure. Like I would, I would say that. Like, I, <laughs> I feel like you're, you're reading into that from like a, an American perspective. I think like the film was a lot more like trying to condemn the, the jihadists. Um, because there were, there were all sorts of instances of like hypocrisy, the guy smoking, uh, the, the uh, a couple people talking about the the French football team, um, like there's all sorts of instances of, of hypocrisy there that I think point to a, a pretty uh, angry. <laughs> like it, it doesn't dehumanize them or anything, but uh, it, it's very upset with uh, with them. And uh, really, that's not what I got out of the film at all. I thought that's totally what it was about: was trying to humanize everyone involved. I think there are too many instances of like the the jihadists not living up to the the code yeah, that which they is humanizing on other people, which is humanizing. It shows that they are imperf- imperfect. They are not this faceless, you know, evil horde of terrorists. They are well, people too. Okay. <laughs> that's that's not like it, it does. It doesn't demonize them, like I say, but like. I think it's it's sort of a quiet condemnation of of what they're doing. I mean, yeah, it is. Yeah, okay, I think we're delving too far into critique now as opposed to running through the tops. I totally <laughs> okay, okay. I totally agree that it is a quiet condemnation uh, though. Like but it is ultimately trying to humanize everyone involved. Hmm. Like it is quietly it's angry, sure, them. but it is trying actively to humanize them. I, I didn't. Guys, move on to number two. Okay, <laughs> I just don't think it's an angry film. I think it's it's more. That's not. It's more a quiet anger or a quiet condemnation. Like I say, it's not. Yeah, about it. I agree with that. Okay, we can put this as a bonus podcast. <laughs> All right, all right. I'm I, I'm really curious uh, whether we're all going to have the same number one. I'm almost positive we are. <laughs> I really think we are. This is going to be interesting. What's your? Uh, wait, who is it? It's Keith, right? I think yeah. it's Keith Stern. Yeah. Uh, Spotlight. Yo, I haven't seen it. <laughs> what? Okay. Uh, I did catch that. Maybe I'll see it tonight. Who knows? And I'm glad uh, our, our lists aren't aren't that similar. <laughs> um, so this is a film that like I have to put it on the list high up because it's just too good. Uh, like objectively, I would say uh, this is a film that like works. It is like watching like uh, uh, like a complex machine like operating. It's like like a clock, you know, like with all the gears uh, intermingling with each other. It's like watching that. Um, it is just such a meticulous uh, process film. It's not flashy. It's not sensationalist. It's, uh, it is yep. very 
realistic. Uh, it is a, it's like a reenactment yeah. of, in the best way possible. Like when you say reenactment, you think okay. of like terrible television reenactments, but it's, it is like staged truth. I, I don't know how else to put it. It's just, it's so, uh, uh, true and honest and, and, uh, it doesn't want to elevate or turn its characters into superheroes or crusaders or anything like that. It just wants them to be, uh, these these reporters that are doing their jobs, and it's not even elevating that either. It's it's just like wants to tell its story, um, and it's uh, everyone you know as act as actors are, are they're all you know turning in very like subdued, restrained performances, with the exception of Mark Ruffalo. <laughs> um, it happened right in our backyard, dude. <laughs> Steve, you haven't seen it. How'd you know? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, so you're saying Ruffalo's performance was uh, was the weakest? Uh, n- no, everyone was was really good. I would just say that his was the only one that is like acting with a capital A. You know what I mean? Like he is trying to be a character. He is the crusader. He is affecting. Gotcha. An, he is affecting a style of mannerisms and and so on. Yeah, and he is he is the crusader. I guess if there is one. Um, but it, even even though that he is the quote unquote crusader, he is not like, uh, uh, you know, lionized or anything like that. Um, that. At least that's my opinion. Uh, Dan, would you like to say something? Uh, I thought it was a really good movie. Um, I, I think uh, I, I had more quills with it than you. Um, I think that it doesn't quite successfully uh, shed some of the, the the tropes of the of the genre. Uh, like uh, I, a scene that stands out to me is like um, when uh, uh, why can I not? Who was the actress's name? <laughs> oh, Rachel, um, McAdams. Rachel McAdams. Yeah, yeah, Rachel McAdams. When Rachel McAdams. Uh, is talking to uh, uh, to one of their sort of informants, I guess, and she says, "Like we're going to tell this story, we're going to tell it right. Uh, like they're not going to get away with this." Like there were there were a couple scenes like that 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 stood out to me as like being a little cliche and like being a little uh, kind of moralizing. Uh, I mean, can't I mean, you, can't you moralizing that? about child molestation? I mean, okay. Well, I mean, the whole extent of the thing was so wicked bad that <laughs> that's that's not what I mean. I'm just I'm just saying like they're they're hammering home that these pe- that like uh, you know this is a story that needs to be told. Like these people are kind of heroes. Like that kind of that kind of moralizing. Mm. Uh, and I'm making it sound more like that than it was. I I thought the film was really good. Uh, so <laughs> I'm I'm pretty much on board with you with you uh Keith. Um I just perhaps thought it didn't walk that line quite as as well as you thought it did. I, I really liked okay, I'll say this. I really like loved the scene um where Mark Ruffalo was talking to the the lawyer guy uh in a bar and and the the lawyer brings up the point like you just had like it was like the first Jewish head of the Boston Globe uh, and then he makes the point that uh, it, it might take an outsider to uh, reveal some of this stuff. I think he's Armenian or something. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I thought that was like a great 
point uh, about like how something like this could go under the radar for for so long. Uh, people, everyone was kind of complicit. Like, yeah. <laughs> everyone. <laughs> and that's that's uh, a terrifying uh, and kind of sickening <laughs> uh, realization. Um, but yeah, like the good German, like they, they bring up that analogy, like that's exactly what's what's going on yeah. uh, here. And yeah, it's it's very uncomfortable, but like yeah, it's really well done. Yeah, it really spreads the blame around real nice. <laughs> um, yeah. And like personally speaking, like I I at the end of the film, like left was well, was sitting there with like just a ball of you know like malcontent inside me. It was just like so good at 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 depicting the the horrific cover up uh, basically that was going on here. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's just such a strong emotional reaction out of that out of that at the end. It um, it, ma- it made me wonder like this probably couldn't have been revealed at any well like it it we we had to be in a modern environment for something like this to come out. So I have to wonder like how long and how many victims there were of this this kind of thing like through the centuries. You know that Catholic Church has yeah. been around for you know millennia, uh, and this is something that seems that they tie, and I think it's very reasonable that they tie into like this celibacy requirement for the priests. So you have to wonder like how many uh, people have been victims of this throughout the the ages. Yeah. And that's exactly what they want you to think about. That's like totally the message is like Jesus <laughs> fucking Christ. And then they, they play all the, the inst- they, they play the list of all the places that, that this, they were able to identify. Yeah. Um, but you know, the, the question that hangs in the air is like, you know, <sighs> we know that isn't it. That's the yeah. whole horror of the thing is that they know they just can't prove it. That there's more. Mm-hmm. Man, I'm just glad I hate religion because I never <laughs> stayed late to help with any Catholic events. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, I was raised Lutheran, so that's. I mean, I went I'm, to I'm synagogue. <laughs> As God's chosen people, nothing bad ever happens at temple. <laughs> oh man! All right. Um, wait, who's next right now? You. Oh, it's me. Okay. Uh, so number two, number two, I have Carol. That's my number two movie. All right, we definitely all have number one. The same. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Let's all just say it. Black Hat. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Black Black Mass was my number one as well. Jurassic uh, World, like the highest box office, right there. Like, Jurassic. I can argue with that. <laughs> I mean, I don't think I need to say anything else about Carol. It was fucking great. So let's uh, let's move on. Okay, uh, my number two. I'm really surprised that you guys don't have this uh, on your list. Uh, Wait, can I book- predict it? <laughs> Go ahead. Ex Machina. Nope. Oh, all right. It's uh, the Look of Silence. Oh, Ooh, I okay. I haven't seen it yet, actually. Yeah, you both haven't seen it. I mean, I've seen uh, I've seen the first one. I haven't seen the Look of Silence. <sighs> okay. Uh, well, I'll, I'll pitch it to you. Uh, I guess there won't be that much back and forth. Have you have you guys seen The Act of Killing? Yeah. Nope. I've seen that. Okay. 
uh, well, I'll, I'll do a, like, I guess for Keith's benefit, like both of these movies, they're like companion pieces to each other. Uh, and they, they delve into the, the genocide that took place in Indonesia, I think during the 60s, um, where there was sort of a, an ethnic cleansing. Um, I mean, w- what it was, was the military staged a coup and took over the government, and they're the ruling power today. Uh, and they killed off a lot of people who they labeled as communists, though a lot of the people were just like ethnic Chinese and, and kind of outsiders in, in that society. Uh, it's not very well known today, uh, but like a, a million people died, and uh, so the the director Joshua Oppenheimer, he uh, in the act of killing, he uh, interviews the the perpetrators of, of the massacres and the, and the mass killings, and and uh, they like reenact it in such weird ways, like. They, they have such a weird uh, kind of narrative in their head about what was happening. Like they'll have some of them will act out the, the victims and be like, Oh, like, thank you for killing me and like cleansing my village of communism. Uh, so it gives you a, a window into how like history is rewritten uh, by the people, by the victors and um, how like horrific acts can be like rationalized and, and, uh, and kind of made into a, a palatable narrative. Anyway, the look of silence is uh, kind of the other side of this. Joshua Oppenheimer uh, talks to a lot of the victims, uh, or, well, not the victims of the killings, but the families of the victims of, of the killing. Um, and uh, and he follows one guy in particular who's like an optometrist, and he he goes to fit people with eyewear, and, and the people he's fitting with eyewear are like the people who were responsible for his brother's death. And as he's like administering eyewear to them, he he asks them questions about like why did you do what you did? Like you know how do you feel about that? And most of the reactions <laughs> they're not very uh, <laughs> inspiring. Like the, a lot of people kind of pass the buck. They say like oh well, really wasn't me. I didn't really know what was going on. Uh, you know, some people just say, like, I don't want to talk about this. Some people are afraid that, like, he wants revenge or something. And some people just straight out accuse him of, like, communism. Uh, and so it's it's not very inspirational, but it's a, a horrific, harrowing look into human nature. Um, and not just, like, the, the taking genocide and the taking of, of other people's uh, life, but it 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 deals with things like aging, um, uh, telling stories, uh, forgiveness, and all these other like elements of, of what it means to be human. So, like in, in terms of its ability to delve into human nature, like I have seen, <laughs> like I, I, this is one of the best films I've ever seen, um, and. Part of it, why it's so interesting and why it's so well done is because it has such a bizarre way of staging its scenes. Um, uh, like the fact that he's administering eyewear to these people as he as he's interviewing them. It, 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 it's such a weird setup, but it, it it does a better job of like other other than like a direct confrontation between him or a direct interview. Uh, like as these people kind of figure out that he's not just their optometrist, he's someone who uh, uh, 
has been really affected by what they've done. Like it, it's, it's a totally different way uh, for them to <laughs> kind of come around and, and think about what they've done. There's, there's some really weird elements like the fact that these people drank the blood of their victims so they wouldn't go crazy. Like there's that acknowledgement that people can go crazy doing stuff like this. Uh, and, but it, it's so weird. Uh, and it's, it's, it's sort of a window into the past because, you know, pogroms, genocides, ethnic cleansings, uh, wars of religion, they're much more common in the past than they are now. And so it, it really has that historical perspective throughout because so many people have not been given voices, uh, who have undergone things like this and who have done things like this. Uh, it's, it's pretty chilling. Uh, but it's, it's also sort of hopeful because uh, it, the fact that this doesn't happen as often <laughs> uh, is an indication of progress. Uh, so in that way, it's hopeful. Yep, I'm done. <laughs> yeah, I, um, I avoided the act of killing. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> no, man, you I need to watch that. I want to watch it. Uh, but I acknowledge that I, I think it would probably be excellent, but I just didn't want to see it. Just because it... It's really hard to watch. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. Yeah, you got to set out some some time to watch that movie. Got to be in the right environment, right? Yeah, and then with the the look of silence, I hadn't seen the act of killing, so it was an easy excuse. <laughs> but yeah, I haven't seen it. Um, I believe you, though. Okay. Well, yeah, we can probably move on to number one because I've given my <laughs> spiel. Um, I'm surprised that Ex Machina wasn't on your list, Dan. I thought you were like so hyped for that film. It, it was really good, and and any of these, like any of my like six through ten, could have been uh, like my my six through ten could have been a, a top five any other year. But this is just like really good year for film. It really was. And speaking of, uh, I think all of our top films of the year, it's Mad Max. No. Yep. Yep. All right, well, podcast over. <laughs> That's a wrap, gentlemen. That's a wrap. Um, I don't really know. Uh, I sort of figured this from the start and thus did not invest much into uh, really talking about this. Um, <laughs> I'm really glad that it's culminated as this because I, re- <laughs> I was worried that one of you were going to like trigger this early and I'd be like, oh, fuck. Because this was by far, in a way, like my favorite film. It's just the purest bit of filmmaking this year. Yeah. I mean, I would say last year, like, I really felt uh, Boyhood was the the film of the year. Um, and and so, so it was also true with Mad Max. Like, it just... Nothing else came close to it. Like, there was not a question in my mind about yeah. what was going to be number one. Dude, the uh, funny thing is, is, like, I'm... I'm super excited for like the the black and white silent like Blu-ray version of Mad Max. It, is that confirmed or it it seems like it has been confirmed? Yes, I mean up to a week ago I read that it actually has been confirmed. So and like like that movie I like I fully believe like with no dialogue because it's not a very dialogue heavy movie to begin with. Like it's going to be fully intelligible. Just the the entire way through. Yeah, 
uh, it's definitely <laughs> could work as a as a silent film very well. It better win best fucking picture. Like, oh my god. Oh, it's not. <laughs> it won't. I, I mean, yeah. it won't. But it it should. And we guys, the Revenant, guys, the Revenant. <laughs> I hope Tom I, Hardy I, I wins. Okay, okay, no, we're not talking about the Revenant. Like this right. is number one on all of our lists. Let's get into some. Let's get, let's dig into this. All right, man. Uh, it, as I was kind of so, so, so my experience, and, and I assume is kind of similar to you guys' experience, like. I, I was overwhelmed. Uh, like I experienced nausea, uh, joy, panic, uh, <laughs> hope, and like in admiration for you know, the, the technical elements. Like when I got out, of, when I got out of the theater, I was like shaking the the adrenaline out. <laughs> like my, I, I was like shaking my hands because <laughs> I had like excess adrenaline. It's crazy how yeah. uh, how uh, thrilling and uh, and. It's it it, it it was a overwhelming experience, <laughs> dude. Like the opening of that movie is like so fucking good, and then like when you get the title, like the titling was fantastic. <laughs> I love I love the, t- the title how it slams onto the screen. <laughs> like I was I was in a packed theater in um like fuck in Times Square with like some friends of mine. We're like, yeah, let's go watch Mad Max, and like, dude, I was like so sold in like the first three minutes of that movie. It's like you got like like in like that shutter speed effect and like uh and like uh like fr- frame rate that he was playing with initially like just ramping up the tension while he's running like running away through those caves. It was just like God, that so fucking, fucking good. Maybe the best crazy, opening to a movie God. I've seen in a long time. Yeah, that's. I mean. <sighs> The, and the, the score as well. Like, oh, God, yeah, the score was incredible. Although, I will say, I think the score for Carol was excellent. I thought the score <laughs> for Sicario was excellent, actually, as mm-hmm. well. Revenant um, was pretty good, too. Yeah, whatever. And as far as, like, <laughs> there, there are lots of message movies that try to deal with, like, like there's lots of, like, really gendered movies coming out now. Like, we have, like, a trans movie that I think came out this year shot on an iPhone. Yeah, um, Tantrine was, was great. But, like, uh, I haven't seen it. I need to see it. But um, the thing about Mad Max is, like, it's... I would say it's very subtle in the way that... Well, maybe actually not very subtle. But, like, it's... I... Like the way that it plays with gender, I found really interesting. Yeah, I mean that's kind of what what people have talked about the most. Uh, you know, it is this feminist? Like, it's a feminist film. That that whole conversation is, is really dominated. Well, I think like in a general audience level, like not that many people really picked up on it, and I think which that's is what's, kinda, what's so fucking great about it's, it. What's great about the movie is that like even the superficial reading of it, like the superficial reading of it is like it's just a great action movie, and then and then you get into like the the high the higher le- order level stuff that's going on. You're like the gender politics of this thing is actually pretty fascinating. Because it's not it's not marketed in such a way as to be like, oh, it's like it's the it's the feminist movie of the year. I mean, some people have said that, but like, y- you can play with that movie on a lot of different levels. Yeah, that's because it's it is like so uniformly excellent yeah. and like uh, or beyond excellent. You know, it is like uh, the action is transcendently good. Uh, that like the fact that it is quietly like. 
the second most feminist film of the year to Magic Mike XXL <laughs> uh, is is totally like somehow not even the story that anyone wants to talk about because it's just the fact that it's so fucking great is the story. Um, mm-hmm. Dude, the, wor- the world building is insane. Oh my movie. god! Yeah, it's like, like there's there's like the it's like I don't even remember being told of any setup in that movie. It's just like I was in it, and then mm-hmm. everything like I bought everything, like everything made sense. Like yeah, the, I, the the little skull, like bird skull t- uh, <laughs> thing that's on the on the dashboard of, of the cars, the the chrome spray paint, like witness me, the explosive spears, the. The hand gesture that the, the, sign of the, the Volvolini yeah. make, like yeah, yeah, the sign of VA too. Like all, they're not dwelled on, but like they're crucial to world building. And like, uh, yeah, they <laughs> it's so effective. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, so this is, I, I was affected by this film on more than just like a visceral physical like adrenaline <laughs> level like i was affected by it on an emotional level as well like i really uh went along with these these characters struggles and what they were feeling and everything and uh you mentioned this earlier about acting with your eyes uh steve mm-hmm. but like george miller has specifically said in interviews like he, he wanted to find actors who could act with their eyes because mm-hmm. uh, he knew that this would be a very dialogue light movie uh, and he found, uh, you know, Tom Hardy goes from being like a, a feral, animalistic uh, person whose sole instinct is survival to like someone who's, you know, willing to make choices to to uh, sacrifice himself, like literally part of himself through his blood transfusion um, for other people like he. And so. Really, I think ultimately what the movie is is a story about people reclaiming their humanity. Uh, you know, you, Max starting as a blood big, Nux and Furiosa as, as battle fodder, and, and the wives as you know sexual objects. Uh, it's it's a story about reclamation, and uh, and uh, and so on that level, like it 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 hit me uh, <laughs> emotionally, and uh, I was. I really felt for the characters. Like I was devastated when, when Nux died. Like, I mean, that's, it's a good death, I suppose. And, but like his, his little like childlike, uh, romance with, with capable, like that, that was like really enduring and it's not dwelled on and it's not sexual, which is, uh, like one of the, one of the weird things like this, this, you can tell like this is George Miller's vision because, there are some really weird things like the fact that there's not like a sexual level to that romance. The fact that uh, Tom Hardy, who's like this international star wears a mask for half the film that yep. obscures his face. Like this, these are things that producers would like cut immediately. But like, this is George Miller's unadulterated vision. Yeah. I think because of that, like that he's able to craft some really compelling characters that you really feel every bump and and loss and and you know moment of hope dude yeah. it really was like unadulterated and the movie the movie is like so taut yeah. it's lean as fuck Perfect. it's like we're gonna point a truck in this direction for four for an hour 
and then, <laughs> and then we're in the second point, hour, we're going to point in the exact opposite direction. Like, that's... And, like, even... I can remember in the theater, like, when I was like, wait, they're going to, like, they're going to go back the same way they came? And instead of being like, oh, f- that's so boring, I was like, fuck yeah. <laughs> yeah, fuck yeah, fuck yeah, drive that. Yeah, do that. And it was just like... <laughs> so great yeah i just wanted to agree with uh with with what you were saying dan uh, and in that like this film is is so unpretentious uh in everything that it does mm-hmm. it's like mind-blowing that like all of these incredible things happen and they don't dwell on them and they don't make a big deal out of it uh and it it does the film such an incredible service uh in in like not there i just i just i can't help but draw the distinction between this film and every other hollywood blockbuster and all of the bullshit that they do in all of these <laughs> films and it just does away with all of them it is so different uh and and i i personally think like it is a i hope will change the way that we like make our blockbusters um cuz <laughs> it it God, it was so good. Dude, it was so good. It's a testament to like how much of a genius Miller is. Like the guy, the guy's seventy years old. This is like his, I, I believe his next movie after fucking Happy Feet, <laughs> and he makes like the highest octane, like most testosterone adult <laughs> like uh, action film that's yeah. of like the last ten years at least. And, and like watching him in interviews, he's kind of like a. Uh, maybe a renaissance man or like he's very well spoken he's he's very genteel Mm -hmm. so that's all the more mind-boggling to me that he that these have come out of his imagination yeah like you put him and michael bay like side by side (laughs) like it's no it's no contest oh man (laughs) and it's weird that, that this film gets mistaken for being like the the sort of like uh the i don't know garbage that like michael bay puts out right people when they first saw this everyone was confusing it as as like trash basically right like they all thought it was this this terrible <laughs> film that was all fire and explosions and nothing else <laughs> it wasn't uh, the first film with like fast cars and explosions uh and action sequences to come out that year <laughs> yeah uh, well i mean and and i don't know it's it would have been so easy to mistake this film um and, and its messaging is so brilliant as well like if, if like if you're not being careful of how you read the film then you just enjoy a great action movie and that's what's fucking crazy about it but if you look really hard it's like that second third order level of like what's really happening yeah man it's a fucking trojan horse yeah <laughs> yeah Yeah, I think I think that's well, it. That's, that's all right. So back, back to Magic Mike XXL. Uh, <laughs> all right, I'm cutting. I'm cutting the, the like. If the I mic. really was making this list, like like Magic Mike XXL is number two. Like in terms of my <laughs> personal enjoyment of the year. <laughs> I did. Either of you see? Have it? you seen it? I, I no. have not. I haven't seen either. <laughs> Despite your your pushing us to fucking dummies. <laughs> God damn it. I'm just going to buy it for you. Calm <laughs> down. You have to watch it. I just... 
You know, like I had so much fun watching Magic Mike XXL. I I I just I think like like I I don't mean to 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 judge you harshly, Dan, but like the the look of silence is like obviously a downer, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I just I think there's something really. We're we talking about a double feature. <laughs> I just think there's something very valuable in having like a film which is happy and fun. Yeah, I agree. And and as I looked over the films that I include, like none of them are are very. Uh, <laughs> they're not delightful. Like and, and yeah. some films, like uh, I found Brooklyn to be like really sweet and delightful, yeah. and I kind of wanted to include it, but I, I couldn't because I, I thought the other films were better. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> I, I, I I see the appeal. Yeah, I there's like a, really a lot of films that I cut are exactly the same. I cut Magic Mike, Tangerine, Brooklyn. Yeah, I I mean they were all. I think it's un it's unfortunate that that we don't value you know that sort of thing the same way we value darkness and sadness. It's nine eleven, uh, man. When arguably they are, you know, foils of one another, and I don't see why one is better than the other. Um, it's just like we have a harder time talking about one, or I don't know. Oh, like, I think like a lot of movies, I think that's what people are afraid. Like people who take movies seriously uh, don't like the fact that people watch movies for like enjoyment or entertainment, uh, because a, a lot of movies are simply that, and <laughs> there's not much more to them. So I think but there's then, that. But then you have excellent, you know, yeah. versions of that. Yeah. I, I I totally agree. You're right. Like you see some some bullshit action films which are terrible and they're just meant to like have a good way to spend two hours, you know. But there is legitimate excellent uh, versions of that. Mm-hmm. And it's it's sad that we don't celebrate them. Yeah. Indeed. So I, I'm just curious, like what, what, what films didn't make the cut that we haven't talked about? Like Brooklyn is one for me. Yeah. Well, Magic Mike, obviously. Tangerine was on my list. Tangerine was on my list too. Yeah. Uh, Dude, I, I had seen it. Uh, it's good. You should you should definitely check it out. It's like I don't think that it says anything like groundbreaking about anything, but like the fact that it exists is is pretty pretty awesome um and it's a lot of fun like it's just fun to go along with these 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 women and it's all tragic too like it's not just yeah just fun but yeah it is fun you know they are fun to be with it's (laughs) fun to like watch all this happen uh beast of no nation is one really not nowhere on my list i like i actually i still really like that movie like Okay, I still think it was a great, like a great movie. But, um, I thought it was good. I just there was so much good other stuff that it wasn't mm-hmm. on my list. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see what else. I did like the Revenant. Like the uh, Revenant was. So... I knew you were gonna fucking like that movie. Fuck you. <laughs> I mean, I can't. I, I am who I am. All right, I can. <laughs> da- wait, it's denied my nature. It. Yeah, I've seen it. Yeah, Dan, how did you not like? fucking fall out of your chair when he fucking <laughs> cut a horse in half and climbed inside of it. I was like, 
Dude, I saw that and I was like, dude, Leo, you are trying so hard. <laughs> like, so hard to win that Oscar. You know the term uh, jumping the shark? I think we need to repurpose that and 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 have it like living inside of a, a fucking horse. Yeah, like, the horse scene was a little much in my opinion. Are you kidding me? It's like after everything he's been through in his in his physical state and he falls off a fucking cliff. It's like, come on. <laughs> There, there is it does push that uh, a, a little much, but there are some like brilliant scenes, like the the bear attack scene. That was so well done. Uh, the bear like, attack scene, yes, but all the spiritual stuff. I was like, oh my god! Like when his wife's like hovering uh-huh. over like him or his kid or whatever. I'm like, look, this isn't a Terrence Malick movie. Let's like let's like tone it down a little bit. Yeah. I thought Tom Hardy did a fantastic job. Dude, Tom Hardy was way better than Leo. And it was a much better character that, like, than Leo. He was at least as good as Leo. <laughs> no, 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 he was way Leo better. was that good. I don't think Leo's Leo. ever great. Dude, I think he's Har- fine. He's Har- always fine. Hardy's character is better and his performance is better. Uh, I think, like, Leo gets flack for being such a scenery-chewing performance and, like, Tom Hardy's really isn't, but I thought, like, he did do a really good job. Uh, I, one, like, I don't know. So, like, a test I like to do with characters is, like, is one that is from that uh what's that that fucking red letter media the that that YouTube channel is that mm-hmm. they're they're trying to differentiate the difference between like Han Solo and the episode 1 characters and so yeah. they're like describe these characters like uh, use adjectives to describe who these people are so like oh, I, I have bullshit. trouble ascribing a lot of adjectives to Leo's character yeah but like there are people who go through things like that and they're not going to have multiple dimensions um, but they're still like, if you tried to give him like a bunch of different dimensions, like that character wouldn't be realistic. It, it is a very one dimensional character, but like, that's exactly what the story calls for. But that's the problem with the film overall is that yeah. it is really one dimensional. Its whole premise is inc- like one dimensional. Maybe, but like you, like you, you weren't interested in survival stories as a kid. Like those stories, like. <laughs> but it wasn't really a survival. Like it was, but it it wasn't interesting in the way that like the hatchet. You read that, right? I did. Yeah. It wasn't interesting in the way the hatchet was interesting. It was literally just him getting Fuck over... you for assuming for assuming that but you're right <laughs> i have a big problem with leo as an actor i feel like he's good but like he, he he's never like going to hit the highs of like like a great actor like a daniel day no, or like a meryl never no. never is no he's he's not a daniel which is why i feel like he's i think maybe lately like he, sometimes he's put into roles that he can't quite grasp and i feel like maybe this is one of them totally agree. the movie is too showy it definitely is oh my yeah. god it's so showy it's like <sighs> oh it's just like fucking in your to like calm down bro. i mean lubeski should probably win for cinematography but oh yeah it's so fucking gorgeous <laughs> yeah that's what's so frustrating about the movie actually is yeah. that it's so beautifully shot and so impressive that like the fact that its core like story and message is garbage is like they're in conflict with each other and it's so frustrating does anyone know why the hateful eight is on the best cinematography like, <laughs> nope like, because ben her lenses 
Like it, it makes no sense to me. Because it's, it's like, like Cinema Scope and the Academy's full of old people. It's <laughs> like because it had great seventy millimeter photography. I was like, no, it didn't. I don't know that I totally disagree or totally agree with that, but I, I you know, there was definitely room for other people there. Oh yeah, I did love Carol, uh, man. I liked what's, Carol. What's the guy from Justified like? I didn't like the Hateful Eight very much. Walton but like, Goggins. Yeah, Walton Goggins. Yeah, you didn't I like Walton? Yo, he's one of the best never parts of that film. Ever again? <laughs> no, I'm saying he was the best part of that film, but like <laughs> overall, I didn't enjoy it. But he was great. Uh, Hateful Eight was just like. Seriously, like Tarantino's starting to jerk it real hard onto the screen. Like he's just get he's just going like beyond self indulgent at this point. Yeah, well, between him and Inuritu, they're both fucking like just cum <laughs> soaked film reels everywhere. <laughs> Basically, uh, <laughs> there were a couple films uh, like The Gift. Did you guys see that? I thought it was no. really good. I didn't see that. No. Uh, do you know what it is? It's like. A, kind of a thriller film, uh, like a stalker film, or Joel Edgerton uh, is like stalking Jason Bateman and Rebecca Hall. It's really well done. Did he uh, stalk them under his roof? <laughs> it has a really interesting. Yo, Edgerton directed it. What the hell? Yeah, yeah. And it was really good for like a, a I don't know, just early directing, like breaking into directing film. Uh, but it it has a really good twist. <laughs> You guys have got to check yeah, it. I haven't seen it. I, I've heard that it was good, but no, I have not seen it. Ex Machina. What'd you guys think of that? Like, I liked it a lot. I liked it. I think it was too happy to like play with psychosexual themes instead of like more interesting questions of AI. Hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I liked it. It was good, but I wasn't uh, really blown away by it. Keith, was Room anywhere near your your oh, top? God. Point? It was near it, but it uh, yeah, it didn't make it. Guys, room was not that good. I totally disagree. disagree. I just, I, I, it was like, it was close, but it it just like never transcended any anything. It was sort of just, I don't know. That stupid kid. And that's all right. What, <laughs> what was your worst film of the year? Hmm. Because I really wanted to say Jurassic World, but then when I, I thought about it, it <laughs> I had to pick Man Down. Because that was oh, man shit. Down. Yo, on my IMDb list, Man Down oh, is actually God. the worst, yeah. Yeah, oh, no, that's what I'm looking at right now. <laughs> Dude, Man Down was man fucking god-awful. Like, Jesus. The worst piece of shit. Like when, the, like, when the cinematography lets you know, like, the exact piece of shit movie you're watching <laughs> from frame one, like, that's not Student a good film sign. level or worse. <laughs> like... <laughs> Yeah, I guess it has to yeah. be Man Down, but we can't choose Man Down because that, that's not like. I mean, we can, but like no one else has ever seen yeah, yeah, that yeah. movie. So, like, actual theatrical release, worst. Jurassic World. World. Dude, and no one will either. Like, we can't just like go around making fun of Man Down. Like, what the fuck is that? No one's ever going to see it. It's not going to get in the wide release. Man Down, Man Down, Man Down. Like, oh my god, dude. Uh, th- there were some big disappointments for me this year. Like, I wouldn't say Jurassic World was a disappointment because I knew going it in. It was. Like, shit, okay. but, uh, yeah, I'm... I'm Chappie, know, Chappie was disappointing for me. Oh, man. I just, like, skipped most of these films. 
What about like, Spectre? Spectre was Spectre was, was awful. Good. Skipped that too. It was a piece of shit. Yeah. Uh, the worst film I think I saw was Fantastic Four, but I like saw that intentionally. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I I I didn't really like Kingsman. Did you guys like that movie? I haven't seen it. I didn't hate it, but I didn't like, like it didn't, that much. I feel like it got a lot of uh, solid press, and I just like I I don't get I it. I thought the church massacre scene was just like <laughs> way too much. Like that that goes beyond being like a a fun action yeah. movie. With it started to stunt so like it started to become horrific. I would say. And what the fuck was with that joke at the end where the woman's like, "Put it uh, in my butt." Yeah, so like not, you not say that the funny world, of a joke. You put it, yeah, it's great, like great it just wasn't there. a funny joke. It just wasn't yeah. funny. Beyond the sexism, yeah, that's just not funny. Um, yeah, Fantastic Four is probably the worst film that I saw. What about Mountains Made Apart? <laughs> I would say it's that I would bad, say but it's certainly... is much better than Fantastic Four. <laughs> it was still like, oh my god, especially that third act was so The fun. third act. But oh, that's man. the thing is I... the first and second act were fine. Yeah. Yeah. Fantastic yeah. Four was uniformly stupid. Yeah. But I, listen, like overall, this year was uh, really excellent, you know? Yeah. And there's there's still a ton of films I haven't seen. I know. <laughs> I need to see both the the Holocaust movies, Son of Saul and uh, Phoenix. I, yeah. I Phoenix was. I didn't. Victorian. Phoenix Phoenix got a ton of press. I don't really understand it. It was it was good. It was good. I just I don't. Yeah. I don't get it. Best of oh. Enemies. It's great great movie. <laughs> I haven't even heard of it. Oh, I've seen it. Yeah. It's uh. It's like. William F. Buckley and Gore Vidal. There was there was a series of interviews in like the sixties in which like uh, Buckley was like a conservative kind of pundit and Gore Vidal was like a liberal pundit slash author. And uh, they they were like the first of the pundits, really. That was like the yeah, exactly. It it was was like a a game changing thing because I think was it ABC that that aired it. They were like. Whichever channel it was, they were really low in the ratings, and they aired this, and it was super popular. And these people were like smart people; uh, they, they're they're intelligent people, genuine but, intellectuals. Yeah, yeah but the, what the what their debate devolved into was like uh, kind of lowest common denominator, like name calling, and <laughs> really, they hated yeah. each other. Like they, but it was so hated each other. Yeah, but it was so successful that like it. It like spawned all sorts of like pundit talk shows, and it's very dispiriting. Uh, but see, I'm really a, I'm actually fine with their level of punditry. It's just like what what it has like devolved into nowadays is yeah. just sort of like it, it went from like Gore Vidal and William F. Buckley to like uh, I don't know, like Trump and Palin. Like <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like yeah. So, but this was actually they were like, smart was, people. What was the thrust of this movie? Like what? It, it was just a, a documentary about like who they were and why oh, this uh, why this uh, series of interviews that they did was became so influential in television. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, definitely check that out. Yeah. Um, I saw Clouds of Sils Maria. I really enjoyed that film. 
didn't see it. Is that the one with uh, Kristen Stewart? Yeah, it was really good. Um, I definitely recommend that. It's like a strange film. Uh, it like the it intentionally walks the line between. It, it's like playing with their real life uh, drama and what is happening in the film, and it like walks this weird line and it blurs them intentionally. Um, it's really interesting. Juliet Binoche. Yeah. Uh, I did you watch the Assassin Dan? Because you're. I did. I did. I wasn't super impressed by it. Honestly. I rented it and didn't make it through the film. Which <laughs> really? <laughs> well, <laughs> I made it through the film, but I. Which movie is this? It's a. Uh, uh, I think it's Taiwanese. Um, yeah. But it like um, takes place yeah. in mainland China uh, about uh, an assassin during the Tong Dynasty. What's the name of it? The assassin. The assassin. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's, it's like. I loved the sound design, honestly, in it. It was very minimalist. Uh, um, and it was even shot, like, interestingly, I would say. I, I didn't necessarily like the switch between black and white and, and like, different, uh, uh, um, like, wide widescreen. And, yeah. But, uh, yeah, they, what, I think what, what I heard, I read some reviews about it because I was like, what am I missing here? After, yeah, I did not much. understand why this got so much positive press uh, yeah I, i'm not quite sure either but a, like, a lot of people were saying like this will be a really confusing film if you don't know this story this chinese story which a lot of people in china do know but it's not you kind of have to know the story already <laughs> i mean that came through to me because i didn't fucking know what was happening and i didn't <laughs> care and turned it off <laughs> yeah uh yeah, it it was dis- uh, it was a big disappointment because it featured so high on people's list. Yeah, I know. It was crazy. Wait, all um, right, guys, I think I'm going to I'm going to sign off. Okay, wait, yeah. Wait, wait, wait. What did you guys think of the Martian? Uh, it was like a Reddit. It, it, like it <laughs> right, felt like it agree. was a movie crowdsourced. We agree. You don't know the <laughs> <anything> <laughs> else, we agree. <laughs> Yeah, it just doesn't like Reddit deserve humor. the praise it's, it's been getting. <laughs> it's like it's like that that like annoying yet knowledgeable and high level mod from like an R science like, <laughs> like a fuck yeah science Facebook group, right? Yeah, yeah it's like and if we calculate the meters per second, and it's like oh, oh, oh Lord Donald of the Rings Lover's, joke. Donald Lover's character. <laughs> it's like, like it's like they got that on screen. That, I think it was like offensive. <laughs> yeah. It was like an offensive portrayal of science, in my opinion. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> science <laughs> deserves better. Yeah, but like, I think it's good in that like lots of people will probably like be inspired by it. But like, also, fuck, <laughs> fuck that film. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Also, best comedy or musical? Kill yourself. <laughs> yeah, yes, really. That movie, I laughed like twice. <laughs> <laughs> And it was like begrudgingly. <laughs> like, okay, disco joke. I got it. I heard the word souls entirely too much. It was like, oh, if I have eight souls of food divided by oh, yeah. four souls over 120 <laughs> soul days, and they can get souls to me or more. It's like, all right. We yeah. get it. That film annoyed me. Just grow your potatoes and die in <laughs> silence. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Kate Mara, though, returning as a 
smart science uh, space lady. Yeah, man. <laughs> Her career is on the up and up, that's for sure. Wonder if she'll eclipse Rooney Mara. Yeah, that's never. That's impossible because she has like <laughs> a quarter of the acting talent. She will always be living in the sh- like her sister shadow. She's like so. Good. All right, I don't. Whatever, that's fine. Anyway, seriously, can Rooney Mara and Kate Blanchett like just get married? <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I'm so like I don't know. Happy that Steve loved Carol so much, dude. I was like. <laughs> Dude, I'm I'm just happy that you got me to the theater to see it. Otherwise, I yeah, never yeah. would have seen that movie. I feel like I need to go rewatch it after both of your like glowing reviews of it. It was so good. I thought it was excellent. Like, don't get me wrong. It yeah. just it's it just uh, yeah. It in Brooklyn, I had to like dock for similar reasons. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm gonna go grab something to eat. So. Same here. Good, good, good podcast. <laughs> Yeah. Our, our fans will like this episode. <laughs> you know, I told my coworkers that we that I was doing this this weekend and they were like wanted to listen to it. But I don't I don't know that I, I do this. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> yeah, especially considering how anti-Semitic this podcast is. <laughs> Can't let that out there. <laughs> All right, later guys. All right. All right, peace. You're two done. Killed it. Good job, Peace. Peace. Bye.